All right, welcome everyone to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand, and Livestream Stars is where we feature talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across Livestream platforms. And we have a new website just for this show. It's Livestreamstars.tv, Livestreamstars.tv. And, of course, we'd love you to visit our original site, Livestream Universe, and that's at Livestreamuniverse.com and at Livestreamuni, you and I, on Facebook and Twitter. And No, it's actually Livestream Universe on Facebook. But on Twitter and on Instagram, it's at Livestreamuniverse. Uni and uh, next week our, our guest is Melissa Reyes. Uh, Ms. Melissa, the host of Tinsel Town tonight, uh, but our guest tonight is a good one, Jennifer Hoverstad, the host of the Show Live with Mitch Jackson. She's also operations and project manager at O3 Creative. And Jen, you have a new book coming out as well, right? I do later this year, so still in that uh, writing and research phase, but uh, in, in no title as of yet, or at least a title I'm committed to. But basically, it is a book for new law school grads who are exploring uh, what we would consider non-traditional avenues. So anything outside of a courtroom or perhaps outside of a general counsel role. Uh, helping them navigate the skill set that they have. So it, are the, are you looking at people who are, are attorneys but working in other areas, or are you looking at people who have a job that isn't of counsel or, you know, <laughs> in the legal department where they may use some of those skills to, say, review a contract or to keep, you know, employment issues on track <laughs> or whatever, but really are are – are doing something completely different, like running a company or or overseeing digital strategy or or what have you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so, you know, that's the thing is that I think that what I found. So I, I'm a 2011 law school grad and litigated for about a year before um, I allowed myself to accept that I had never wanted to do litigation and being in litigation. Um, I, I was affirmed in that I still did not want to be there. And so yeah, I, I think both sides of what you're describing is exactly the person that I'm going after. So, um, you know, it's the person that graduates from law school and was like, why did I just spend those three years like in law school? I don't want to be there in, in this field at all. Um, also, the person like me who realizes litigation isn't for them. And I think one of the things that perhaps many people hear about outside of the industry, but they don't really consider is that um, a, a lot of lawyers are very unhappy in what they're doing. And certainly the, the depression rate, the suicide rate for lawyers is one of the highest in the country. And, um, you know, allowing people to see whether or not they're experiencing some of those um, depression symptoms, like letting them see that there are alternatives. Basically, what you have learned in law school can be applied very similar to how an MBA can be general and applied multiple ways. So can a law degree. But unfortunately, our law schools don't teach us that. Um, mm -hmm. And most of society doesn't really accept that idea. They think in order to be a lawyer, you have to be uh, in a courtroom. So yeah, I've been talking to people who have, uh, like myself, litigated and, and gotten out completely or who have ventured on into those general counsel type roles where they're still reviewing contracts, which of course is certainly something that I do in my space, but where, where they're doing law type uh, work, but maybe they're just not called a lawyer for whatever reason. I keep my license current, you know, I, right. I passed the bar. And so certainly I don't want to let that go. Um, even though the title may change, uh, depending on, on what I'm doing, um, you know, it's, it's still there. No one can take that right. from you. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you're, when you're at work, um, does your company, um, O3 Creative have and a general counsel or an attorney on staff, or are you like the first one they go to before <laughs> they go to outside counsel or whatever? So we have, when I came on, so I was employee number five. We're not a startup because the mm -hmm. company had been around for a while, but our CEO decided at the end of 2014 that he was going to grow out the company. And so um, I, I love this story because I think it just goes to show, uh, you know, that opportunities happen when you least expect them. I interviewed and applied. I saw the listing for the job on LinkedIn and the CEO happens to be someone I know from college. We just hadn't stayed in contact. And so uh, I sent him a, a quick resume and cover letter and I just said, hey, surprise, my contract with the government is running out. And, um, you know, I've, I'd love to be considered for this business development job that you've posted. So I go into the interview it was very um, traditional sales speak, something that I was not familiar with at all, completely bombed the interview. And I was confirmed in that when he called me later that evening and he said, 
so how do you think you did on that interview this morning? And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. But in all of that, he said, you know what? I recognize that you have a certain skill set where um, he already had outside counsel set up, but no eyes inside to look at the business. And certainly I had already developed uh, a reputation and experience in my own right with advising senior level, executive level staff on, on multiple areas of business, primarily focused on talent, but certainly operations was in there as well. So he essentially created this operations role for me, uh, something that was needed, although he didn't uh, see the need necessarily at that time. He said he wasn't going to let me get away. So I very much appreciated that. And that's what I've done. Um, seeing I have worked with larger organizations. So uh, when I worked with Chick-fil-A, we had over 120 employees. When I worked with the government, I oversaw a division that had over 600 employees. And so starting small and growing, I mean, we are we are almost at 200% growth right now in the short period of time. I haven't even been there a year. And um, we are seeing talent growth like none other. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of crazy to be on this side of things, but it just goes to show where if you just see your skill set and you stop mm -hmm. labeling yourself, you know, within certain industries or with certain degrees, you have a skill set and where right. that skill set can be applied is is varied, which I think bring us back to why we're here today. You know, that's the great thing about live streaming is learning where all these people have used their skill sets and how it's coming to life right. on live streaming. So, you know, you have a very unique personal brand having a, a legal background. Very yeah. few people who are doing live streaming in the community have that. Um, obviously, Mitch has that, who you co-host the show dot live mm -hmm. with on Mondays. And he stayed in within the more traditional legal role. He does litigation. He has law firm. Um, so when you when you you built kind of built a personal brand, I guess, through social media, through live streaming, did that come after joining the digital agency or did that come first and maybe helped you get in into the digital agency yeah it, it came first and you know what's funny is that um i never realized what i was doing until i really got into the marketing industry joining the digital agency when i figured out oh i've i've been doing something right, right. whether or not it was intentional um, and now it's, I've kind of taken it upon myself to educate people on how to intentionally do it, whether it's a personal brand or a company, uh, because I found out how well it works for me. But, uh, you know, my story goes back to I was in college when Facebook came about. And so, of course, mm -hmm. I was a group of early adopters because I had a, a .edu account. And at the time, it was really cool to be able to go online and connect with all my friends from high school, you know, and just see like, oh, we're in this special group and all my friends are here. Um, I was the first student government candidate at NC State University to use Facebook in order to run a campaign. So we had two wow. campaign roles uh, when I ran for student body chief justice in 2005. The first one was that you couldn't spend more than $250, which I could barely spend $25 to print out flyers. So it wasn't going to be an issue. But uh, my opponent had the means in order to achieve that quota. And then the second thing was you couldn't directly email anyone that you didn't personally know. So I couldn't send out any mass emails to the campus to say vote for me. So I had to get really creative. And besides doing some other grassroots level marketing, I realized, oh, wait, I have this Facebook platform where I can invite people I don't know to join this group and I could send them messages through Facebook. And so that's exactly what I did. I ended up winning the election by over 60 percent of the vote. And, you know, I, I really credit that moment, even though I didn't realize what I was doing to that was the point where I realized that digital was going somewhere. Digital was going to start working for people. Um, so over time, really what I used platforms, social platforms for was, was staying connected, being networked, meeting people. And um, certainly when I joined the digital agency, all of a sudden that skyrocketed as far as connecting with live stream. Um, I, I, I don't know that I was considered an early adopter to Periscope, but started Periscoping last summer and um, joined Blab in September after going to Inbound and hearing Joel Com talk about it at Inbound. So um, yeah, it is the trajectory, you know, all of a sudden increased quite a bit uh, after last June when I joined the company. But uh, right. it's it's something that I have been very cognizant of. And now I'm very much more aware of how I'm using it and continue to refine my own personal strategy. I think that's interesting that you started using it actually for 
a business need, albeit in school and for something that wasn't necessarily monetizing, but it was you, you, it was sort of a business case in a way where you mm-hmm. saw the power of it um, and sort of developed the skill in using it. And, you know, I had a, a similar kind of thing when I was in grad school. Um, we were able to boost our, our event attendance for, you know, my organization's events. Huge just by doing Facebook event pages and inviting people and seeing how while people would probably ignore an email, they, they really like getting a Facebook invite to an event and seeing who else was going and and all that. So it's funny when you start using these tools um, and then you realize, wow, you know, there's I can make a business case for this because it's <laughs> it's worked in, you know, a volunteer organization or in, you know, a, a, a school setting or whatever. The same the same principles apply. Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, I was um, my students probably laugh at me now when I was in graduate school, I guess it was 2007. I taught P.E. classes at the University of Tennessee and the Facebook messaging was becoming like more of a thing. Like people were actually starting to use it instead of email. And as a teacher, that really bothered me. I was like, no, if my students want to reach me, you can connect with me on email. And so I would not accept Facebook messages um, as a replacement for email communication if they were going to be absent or need to talk to me or whatever. And now I just laugh at that because now like there are no rules for me as to how someone can connect with me, regardless right. of who you are, however you can message me, whatever's the best platform. I mean, there's some that work better to connect with me, but um, you know, it, like you said, it's just funny to see how it evolves and how people truly want to connect, I think is very telling of the platforms. Right, right. And I think when each of those tools came out, right, we looked at it and like, well, why do I need to message somebody <laughs> through Facebook? I have email. Like, why do I need to text somebody? I have email. Right. And now each one sort of taken on a life of its own. I mean, like Facebook is a great way to connect, you know, quickly send a message to a friend who you might not have their phone number handy or, you know, you just you feel like text is a little too intrusive, but right. but they might not open an email. Like each one's got its own kind of its own kind of per- purpose and and sort of your relationship with different people defines. I don't know. It's very. I think it's very interesting. Um, so you, between going from being an attorney to going to the digital agency, you worked in HR for a while. You were an HR manager, HR director. So how did you how did you go from from law to to HR? Yeah, you know, so uh, like I said, I had been litigating for about a year. And in 2012, I saw how much passion our managing partner at the firm I was at had for his job. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, I really want that, but this is not going to be it. (laughs) Right. So I just started telling some friends, you know, I'm looking for another job. And one of my good friends at the time, she said, well, you know, we're hiring a a part-time HR person. She worked for a a local Chick-fil-A operator. And um, I was like, okay, HR. That, I mean, that's all law, right? Like I could totally learn that really fast. And it was part-time and um, I sat down with the guy. Of course, I needed full-time work and I sat down with him and I said, okay, look, here, here's what I bring to the table. I, I'm a lawyer, like I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can, I essentially built out this job of training and compliance and personnel management. And honestly, at the time I had very little idea for what I was going to be doing. I, I knew none of this. I knew I was gonna right. have to teach myself everything. Um, but fortunately uh, enough, uh, he took a chance on me. He's still one of my, um, uh, he's probably like my ultimate mentor today. I, I know I can go to him with anything career-wise, business-wise, personal-wise, asking questions, get trusted responses. But uh, he took a chance on me, and that's how it all evolved. I I began to learn, you know, HR laws, HR policies, both from a state perspective and federal perspective. Of course, Ross, I know your background too. You, you know, <laughs> all of these things that are just continually evolving. And I think. Right. Um, you know, really the legal nerd in me just loved it because there's always something. And honestly, I was, um, and I still have a tendency to be, I'm always the person that kind of brings down the room. Like I am that Debbie Downer being like, oh, that's a great idea, but sorry, like that I'm doesn't sorry. work. We're not going to do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so um, that's, that's just where it happened. Someone took a chance on a skill set that I had. And I was there for about two years um, before the HR opportunity with the government came mm-hmm. up. And so I was able to kind of move on and, and try that out in a different realm. But, um, you know, I think HR is great. I think anyone who knows how to work with people, how to corral talent, how to really build up a company and make people feel encouraged and make them want to come to work every day. It's a skill set that not everyone has. And right. uh, I, I think 
whether you're a lawyer or not, um, you know, it's, it's great to at least pay attention to that industry because there's a lot for all of us to learn from the HR professionals in the world. Right. Absolutely. And there's a lot that we can bring from other disciplines to HR that HR can, can really benefit from integrating, for example, social media. Um, did you use social media at all in your, your HR roles or your HR departments for recruiting or yes. for internal collaboration or employment branding? Yeah. And, you know, we still use that now at O3. So um, I'll actually look up the link here real quick and show you the most recent job we've posted because the way we're doing it now, and as many of you guys know, uh, LinkedIn is very expensive as far mm -hmm. as being able to utilize that for recruiting. So what we've tried to do is utilize our social platforms. Um, and I'm pulling up the careers page now. I'll drop this link in our blab. But uh, yeah, trying to show who we are and um, there we go, trying to just show why people would want to work with us. So here's the really cool thing is that we have actually had two employees come to us specifically via social media, which is kind of unreal to me um, that they happen to come across Instagram or Twitter mm -hmm. accounts for us. They happen to read our blog and be like, oh, yeah, I want to work there. So um, that's, that's what we've been able to do, but also certainly, at, and there's our careers page right there. So if you guys are looking to see what we're hiring, um, would always love to bring on people I've met on Blab. Um, but the, the thing of it is, is, you know, it's, it's such a, it's something that many companies forget that, you know, I, I get a lot of pushback from people like, well, we don't, we don't need to be on social media. Our clients aren't on social media. It's like, all right, well, you have a whole talent pool on social right. media. So if anything, like let people see what you're all about because it makes it so mm -hmm. much easier to hire. Um, it's, it's great when people come to you and they're like, I want to work for you because I see what you're all about and that's what I'm all about. Um, right. Did a little bit of that at, at Chick-fil-A as well, advised our marketing team on how we could be bringing in strong candidates there too. So um, I think the way we see companies uh, display their culture, which is kind of a big word mm -hmm. right now, is only going to increase um, as you know platforms become more accepted and, and more heavily utilized for recruiting purposes. But um, would you say that's consistent with your experience, Ross, as far as we're, we're just seeing that really pick up? I, I think so. I mean, I, I think there's still a lot of companies that are resisting it, that, you know, the idea of perhaps putting an ad in a Facebook group or, you know, posting their cold their in something internal on 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 Instagram or whatever is just still too like, oh, we're going to damage the brand kind of thing or oh the people, the serious people we look for are going to be scouring LinkedIn. Or whatever. And of course, you know, I always say now, like um, when it comes to recruiting, not when it comes to anything else, but I always go, um, are you using social media or just LinkedIn? Like I've almost divorced LinkedIn from social media because posting jobs on social media has become like really like using a job board, right? Mm -hmm. It's not really social right. um, versus what you do. I mean, you can do employment branding on, on LinkedIn, but it just isn't social. It isn't, you don't build that connection on LinkedIn in the same way that you can using um, Instagram and Twitter and you know, I, I guess I'm interested to see what people would do with live streaming. I, I don't know if you've mm -hmm. seen any um, anybody doing employment branding or social. No, recruiting. but that's a great idea. <laughs> um, you know, as it was laughed about earlier in my blab this afternoon that, you know, you give me an idea and I'm at least going to try it out. And I, that's a great idea. Um, you know, as we O3 has had, we've tried Blab before as a company, we've utilized Periscope before as a company. Um, and while we're kind of in the middle of, of rebranding those channels for us internally to figure out exactly how we want to use them, um, I do think it's worth companies testing it out and figuring it out, deciding like how you can showcase either your people or how you can showcase, um, yeah, I, I guess what you have listed. You know, we did Facebook Live for the first time um, O3 did uh, last week when our SEO, our senior SEO was speaking to a group here in the triangle. And, um, you know, it was interesting. It's a little bit different uh, using Facebook Live from a company perspective than from an individual. Um, but at the same time, we just did a short clip about four minutes of Casey sharing what she knew about SEO with this group of entrepreneurs. And, you know, if anything, now someone goes to our Facebook page 
They see we're out in the community. They see we know what we're talking about. And maybe whether they want to work with us or they want us to work for them, um, it, you know, there's certainly lots of opportunities there, at least attempting to platform. But the thing is, you know, no one will know how to utilize it unless they try it out. So many companies are afraid to get on there and, and look silly. And, you know, one of my, if you go back through my blabs, one of my first blabs is me literally talking to myself just like Periscope, assuming that people are just going to enter the room because I'm talking to myself. And of course we all know right, that right. that is not the way to utilize Blab, but you have to try it and learn. Right, right, absolutely. And I, I mean, if you're if you're mass marketing, right, you're trying to sell more widgets than Walmart or whatever, obviously you're not, you're not gonna come on to Blab and host the Blab and all of a sudden you're gonna, right? But for a lot of companies for recruiting, the problem isn't that they're not getting enough resumes. The problem is that they're getting too many from people right. who really aren't qualified for the position because the barrier to apply now is you just one click and you've applied. And so companies are getting thousands of resumes, often none of whom have the unique skill set for that position or, you know, the right fit or whatever. So, I mean, I could just see like, as you were talking, it started coming to me like, what if a company hosted a blab in which somebody in HR interviewed an employee within the department or who was doing the job that, say, in New York that you needed to hire somebody in North Carolina or in California for and actually interviewed that person and asked them what the job was like? Obviously, you know, it's not going to be 60 minutes, right? It's going to be so you're going to put your best foot forward. But right. still, there's a, there, there still is a certain amount of credibility and truth that comes out of it where I would see like even in asking you questions about your job. Now, I know you're not going to say, you know, you're not going to spill the beans on something that happened, right, that we're not supposed to know about internally. Right. But how you talk about your company and your company's culture still gives people an idea of could this be an environment that I should explore or would it not be an environment I would explore? I mean, to me, it's the same thing as like when a company does a website. Are you just going to use stock photos or are you going to actually show inside your office and show the people who actually work there and tell their stories? Yeah, it does mean if they leave, you have to change the story once in a while. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think particularly like with the younger, younger generation and, you know, you've probably tested this stuff more than I have, but I don't think they're buying like the stock photo look anymore. Right. right? I mean, right. I don't think they're going, OK, there's four people going, hey, like this in a stock photo. OK, I got to be part of that team. But when they see people doing fun stuff who look like them and look like, you know, they actually might work there, then they go, you know, let me look a little further into this company. Right. That's such a great point. And that's actually a really great comparison is, you know, the, the stock photo versus actual photos. And it's just taking that extra step. I mean, so often um, by that, I've kind of created like this social media timeline when I talk to people as far as where they are on the timeline of utilizing their social. And, you know, it's, it's typically where they, they've gotten to kind of that point where they'll throw some stuff on there, hope that it's working, but, but then that's it. Like there's no measurement to it. There's no strategy to it. There, there's nothing that they've only go, gone so far as to be like, well, Hey, we're here. Just kind of like with a website, like, okay, we have a web presence, you know, we're on the, we're on the web. Um, but that's about it. Like there's no connectivity, there's no engagement. And, right. um, you know, I think I was reading some statistics earlier and I, I wish I could remember where they were from. It may have been buffer or sprout social, but, um, talking about how nonprofits, typically will not connect with people one-on-one -on, -one on social <laughs> platforms. Right, and right. It's, uh, it's like over 80% of them don't even know if their donors are on social platforms, so they don't ask for that information. And can you just imagine if they took that extra step, maybe one or two extra steps to find out Twitter handles and, and Facebook and in order to be able to actually directly engage with these people, what kind of shares would occur when people felt like, oh, that nonprofit sees me. I, I give to them because they see me individually. And um, again, it's just small fine tuning changes where, um, you know, we could just easily get that information, connect and engage with people and, and kind of have that reciprocal relationship that is what everybody wants. Right, right. Well, I, I mean, same thing with universities. I mean, mm -hmm. you get a call when they, they want money, but um, 
how many retweets do I need to get a follow back, right? <laughs> if I can't get a follow back, maybe uh, all this nonsense about building community and my debt to the community isn't so big. But I mean, exactly. it's the same thing with nonprofits. If it's a cause I truly believe in, of course, I'm going to retweet it. I'm going to share it no matter whether they follow me or not. Right. But if I'm on the fence about should I put more effort into this or not, and I see yeah, they got 75 followers or 300 followers and they want me to share something, you know, if you're not going to follow me back, why, why, you know, you can take my money, but you can't, you know, you can't engage with me or follow me back or once in a while tweet. Thanks. Okay. Right. Well, there's, you know, there's 10 other companies that are doing that or 10 other nonprofits who are doing that. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. There you are. You are now, um, you know, as, as most of us know in the, in the marketing industry, consumers are more informed now than ever before. So it's not so much as us trying to, um, you know, feel like we are in control of the consumer because we're not. And just like you said, they have choices. And so we educate them as much as possible to give them as far as a, a company goes, our side of the story and allow them to make those decisions. But it truly has to be where we recognize their value and we acknowledge that value. Right, right. And Cheval asks, um, which businesses are using social media to engage with their potential customers? Mm, that's a great question. And, um, you know, Ross, I'd certainly be interested or anybody here in the audience would be interested to know for them where they've felt uh, engaged. But um, a few come to mind for me that I've reached out to directly. Uh, I know recently I had it, I subscribed to Honest Company, which um, among other things sells diapers. And so I have, mm -hmm. a, I have a baby. And so um, I had a question for them, tweeted at them, got a response pretty quickly back there. Um, I know also we see most of our airlines utilizing it as well. Um, Unfortunately for me, you guys can go back on my catch account and watch um, my periscopes over Christmas when I was standing in a two hour line at the Southwest counter and was receiving very little information um, that uh, the tweets I was receiving back from them, um, they were engaging with me, but not giving me the information I needed to know. Um, I, I've found uh, Delta to be helpful for me personally. I know other people find American Airlines to be helpful. Um, I've had issues with things like I, I buy one specific brand of bread and um, which is, I guess, kind of a, a funny quirk about me. But um, I had an issue with a loaf of bread one time and I reached out to Rudy's out of Colorado and they fixed it for me and sent me coupons for free bread. So um, as far as engaging and I guess your question more is potential customers. And I'm talking about actual customers because these are businesses that I'm already using. Um, but again, the response piece of that, I, I've gotten responses from those companies, which is why I can think of them off the top of my head. Um, I, I think you see other companies uh, throwing stuff out there, um, but not necessarily engaging. And I, I can't think of any that necessarily come to mind for me because a lot of what I do from a business standpoint is educate small and medium-sized businesses on that engagement piece. So that's really where I'm following them. And you know, um, for any of you that know me, um, Cheval, you're welcome. Uh, you know, for any of you that know me, you know that I have uh, quite a bit of respect to our local beer industry here in North Carolina. I blab about it on Thursday nights, but um, the beer industry has really surprised me in the way that it's attempting to engage potential customers. And not every brewery is doing it perfectly or doing it right, but there really is right. an attempt there to let people see their personality through social media and to be engaging there. So Ross, I'd be interested for you to answer that question too. What businesses have you seen try to engage potential customers? Well, I, I think um, Chris Strobin and Cheval both mentioned Applebee's and, and they're doing a great job on Snapchat. I'm not a, yeah. a huge Snapchat user, but um, they have, you know, certain filters when you go into the restaurant and, you know, it's like, it actually adds to your telling the story. Like if you go there to watch college basketball, you can, there's a filter that like you slide over and it shows people cheering and whatever. So it's, it's like right on with, um, you know, with enhancing your ability to tell a story rather than just marketing, but yet they still get their, their name out. So that, that's one that, um, you know, Chris and Cheval mentioned, and I, I could definitely uh, agree with that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, other businesses, I think a lot of businesses are getting better at it, but there's still a, a long way to go. Um, but you know, like we were saying before, I'm, the, the, the recruiting side is very interesting, the talent management and recruiting side, because 
will the same game plan, will the same process of content marketing and engagement, will that work uh, on, on the recruiting side? I, I've believed that it would work. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually we may just get to where there's some algorithm that like pulls the right candidate and we don't even, I mean, there already are, but they're not sophisticated enough to, you know, obviate the other parts of the process right right now but maybe at some date it just jumps right over that and the people arguing that there's no roi for social media might be right for recruiting but i think we're a long way from that absolutely absolutely well you know and just generally finding and recognizing those influencers Uh, i think um it takes a very talented organization in order to uh, engage enough where they do recognize uh, those influencers and it says a lot about them at the same time you should let your influencers know that they are influencers because certainly they'll right. hopefully continue to do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're, while we're, um, we're, we're talking about social media, let's, let's kind of pivot to agency life, right? Um, you, you said s- small to mid-sized businesses are the ones that you try and convince that social media. Now, when you say social media, are you talking like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, Periscope, or yeah. are you talking like, big picture like SEO and, and website development and, and the entire sort of digital marketing universe? Well, certainly in, in uh, what I do day to day, as far as um, working with potential customers, I will, uh, you know, educate them on, on the gamut that we offer, like mm-hmm. you just mentioned. But yeah, specifically when I talk about social media with small and medium businesses that we work with, um, it is just the platforms. Mm-hmm. And do you find that the the value for those customers is in is it, or for those those clients is in getting new customers is it in in retaining their current customers and maybe getting them more enthused is it where where is where are you seeing the benefit for those companies yeah you know that's a great question and it's something that i've had to answer a lot and when i first started selling social media services um it was something that came up and i didn't necessarily have an answer for it right away and the reason is as i've come to discover is that one is going to vary from company to company you know what what your um, perceived ROI is on social media may look different from, you know, my company. So um, it, it's always different for everyone. And the great thing too, and the thing that I stress is that these campaigns, um, as I like to call them, they can change from, you know, week to week, month to month. I typically recommend kind of a, a month to month campaign. But, you know, while, uh, for example, one of our social clients recently um, was looking to hire people. And so we focused social media efforts on recruiting and on staffing and why you'd want to come work for this organization for uh, three to four weeks. And now we've we've moved on to the next one where they have a big event coming up. So now we're focusing more on that event awareness, increasing event attendance. Um, so, you know, while I, I think so many people are like, well, you know, numbers aren't everything. So while, you know, you may want to boost your numbers on social media, like that's, there's, you know, that only goes so far. And that's totally right. It only goes so far. But you're looking at it at such a high level, you forget you can break these things down where we focus on certain goals for periods of time. And um, that's where it is. So it just depends. And it it just varies. And whether you're using our social media uh, group, or you're looking for another one, you know, that's something where you need to find out how people are going to plan your content, how they are going to plan to meet your goals. Um, because that's that's really the key right there is that your goals will change and any company or internally, you should be able to address those goals and see some outcome from it. So the drop-in feature doesn't seem to be working here. I've tried to put in the show.live. I tried to put in my HR avant-garde website. I've tried to put in... Um, you know, some other websites related to what we're talking about. So if you wonder why I keep locking and unlocking the seat, it's to, <laughs> it's to stop that little circle from saying, I can't find the website. I can't find the website. So uh, <laughs> the joys of beta, I, I know they're doing good things at Blab. And usually whenever something there's like a little stumble, usually they come up with something better right. <laughs> afterwards. So maybe we're we're in that that stumble right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, if if um, it was small to mid-sized businesses. Like, what do you, what do you think are the the biggest challenges they have with social media, and what are their biggest concerns? You know, for 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 ramping it up. Yeah, so I think I think the biggest thing is that um, 
what essentially social media has done is introduced this new, I mean, new media, right? This is what it's referred to as, but this new level of marketing for small and medium-sized businesses. And with this new media has not necessarily come the education. You know, a lot of people, um, this is a trend to kind of like, well, hire the college student to run social media. The college kid, don't tell about social media. Right. Which all of us know that at least are here um, is typically not the case. Like social media actually takes some kind of training or some kind of self-education to understand um, why you should use it, how you should use it effectively. So this whole education piece is typically missed. What small and medium-sized businesses see is that, okay, my competitor is on social media, and regardless of whether or not the competitor is doing it right, they just see they're there, so they mm -hmm. jump on there. And that's great. That's the first step, having the presence, you know, whatever. Um, and then it's either, you know, the poor admin or the person who is, um, you know, halfway doing 5,000 other things, and their, their hands are, mm -hmm. are wrapped around a lot of other business activities for the organization, it's like, well, hey, we'll just throw this on your plate and um, just post things. And so yeah. this idea of just posting and throwing things out is there. And then of course we drop off at that engagement piece. And so right. once a day, tell people we have a 20% discount. Right, yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> that's five it. times a day. And, <laughs> and then they realize we're just like, well, why isn't anybody using it? Oh, well, I don't know. Like I posted on Facebook. It's like, okay, well maybe you're not even talking to your audience on Facebook, you know, like it, it's possible your audience isn't even there. So um, yeah, I, I think there's just a lot of things that are missed. It seemed more as uh, an afterthought instead of part of a process that really should be as well thought out. And even if you're not spending the dollars um, that you have historically spent on TV advertisements, radio advertisements for a lot of these traditional local agencies or businesses, um, you know, you may not be spending all that money um, on social channels, but it does take time and it takes some education and you got to make sure you have the right person or the right group of people fulfilling that for you because otherwise you'll never see any kind of results that you're right, hoping to right. see. Um, and, and so that's really where we run into that is just kind of forgetting that very intentional step uh, of mapping out a strategy and a plan and having someone who knows what they're doing at, uh, execute it. Is there a certain window of time where you say, you know, to a client, give it six months, give it a year till you're going to actually see your gains in social turn yeah. into something on your bottom line or, you know, at least in your revenue stream or whatever? Yeah, you know, I think depending depending on the goals, I typically like to have clients be on for at least three months. I, I mm -hmm. won't do any kind of service less than three months because um, I think it's unfair to us as an agency, it's unfair to them um, to expect that some kind of magical, you know, something will happen in a one month time period. Typically in that one month time period, we're trying to figure out when your audience is on these platforms, what they want to see, because chances are, right. uh, if we're being hired, um, things have been posted in the past that weren't engaged in the audience. So trying to figure that out. Um, yeah, you really have to do an assessment first before mm -hmm. you can develop a strategy, right? Exactly. You really do. You, you have to figure out who those, um, you know, marketing speak, who the, who the personas are, who the avatars are um, that we're actually talking to. Because otherwise, you know, we, we could be talking like so many people are surprised that um, Facebook is predominantly 35 plus women. Right. And when they are speaking as if they would speak to an 18 year old man and they realize that 18 year olds <laughs> aren't on Facebook, like you've wasted a whole lot of time. And now we got to reconfigure and figure out if your audience is even there. So, right. um, yeah, exactly. A lot of that research has to go into the strategy to, to figure out and to make the best use of your time. Right. Right. And then, um, you know, do you work with like solopreneurs at all or like really like individual, you know, consultants, coaches, people like that, people you market or in the small marketers, whatever people you tend to see a lot on live stream platforms, Blab and Periscope. Do you work with people like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think um, personal brands, uh, there's certainly this whole whole other level uh, of involvement and of, um, you know, really that that personality that gets to come out. So I think it's it's almost more fun to work with individuals, although certainly companies present some great challenges. Um, but yeah, we, we do work with people like that. And uh, really, you know, if you think about it, whether you're a solopreneur or you have uh, an entire company that you're running, um, you're putting your name on something. Mm -hmm. So whether that's behind a business or it's your face being put out there, it's you still should have that same strategy moving forward regardless.
We have an open seat if you want to jump in and ask a question for Jen Hoverstad. We'd love to get some questions from you. So uh, yeah, feel free to jump friend. right in. Um, one of the things that I, I'm kind of wondering is for live streaming, how how often do you recommend to a client, you know, live streaming is something you can consider? And does that depend at all on industry or whether they're a individual or a, a small business, big business, retail, whatever? Is there any type of pattern you can see for where, you know, you think that live streaming might be a fit or is a fit for your for your clients? Yeah, you know, I get that question quite a bit. And I think it's something where um, clients have to remember that this, this is kind of, I, I guess, um, my philosophy on it is that their potential customers, their audience, they want to see what they can't see. Mm -hmm. So while I may go to an event and I may see the 5,000 people that are there and it's crazy. Um, if I just show that up on Periscope and say like, oh, look, there's 5,000 people on this street for this event. Yeah, we may get some people who tune in and be like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of people. And then they're going to bounce right back out. Um, but if I'm able to plan ahead and to say, well, you know what? I know that the owner of this company is going to be at this event, or I know that they have five minutes where they can answer a few questions on Periscope, then I'm going to take the time to do that because that's time that otherwise this audience may not get to experience. Um, I, I, for fun, do a lot with breweries um, where on the weekends I'm there and I like to show what's going on. And I like to give people a little behind the scenes tour of these breweries because again, um, North Carolina has a booming craft brewery industry that is seen nationwide. And so I can go in and show people things where you may not be able to visit the little brewery in Morganton, North Carolina, um, but I can show you through Periscope. And it's getting companies to think about that. Like, what do we have to offer that people don't get to see on a regular basis if they were to just walk in our doors? Um, everybody has something. Everybody has something that they can show on Periscope. How often they do it should mm -hmm. take, you know, some testing and, and to figure that out. But um, again, that's something where when you know your audience, you can figure that out pretty easily. Hey, Cheval. Hey, guys. How are you doing? How are things Cheval, going down in Houston, getting ready for the Final Four? <laughs> uh, everything's going good. It's uh, it's gonna be crazy. Yeah. But um, was and speaking as far before I got asked this question, you know, sure. which I don't want it up. But you guys talk about you know like live streaming, like how, what what strategy we think she think uh, like you know organizations like especially like a huge city that you know since all the social buzz is gonna be on you know the final four. How you think, uh, like, you know, companies or organizations should take advantage of these opportunities that present themselves? Oh, that's such that's a great question. That's an awesome question. question. And I think this the same thing as, um, you know, like geofilters with Snapchat. Like, how can you take advantage of putting your name out there uh, regardless? So, you know, if, if it were me, like, if my company were in Houston and say um, I either had like a product to sell. Like I could see this being great with restaurants, with bakeries, um, with something that tourists are going to be looking for because they actually need some of these things. Uh, being able to showcase like every day and starting like, you know, well ahead before the teams arrive, before, before you arrive for your trip, be like, you know, um, let's say we're a bakery every morning, like, oh, look at these pastries we have. We have these every morning and have the baker talk about like one specific pastry this morning. Like, oh, this is our, our famous pumpkin bread or, you know, whatever the case may be. Or um, if I am a, a store located near where I know a lot of the hotels are going to be, um, be like, oh, talk to uh, maybe some of our, our customers who come in. Why do they love coming to see us? Why should I, as someone who's flown in from out of town, come visit this store? Answer a lot of these questions. Um, get ideas in people's head that they may not have in their head. So, you know, I think, yes, William, that the baker can make a ba basketball pastry. You can have a special, <laughs> special something for the event. Um, but again, I think it's so often we're jaded by what we do on a day-to-day -day that we don't necessarily see it as important, but we have to remember the customer that we're serving. So when we can show them something, when we can talk to them and educate them about something, that's when that idea comes to mind. And that's when, you know, they fly down to Houston and they're like, man, I could really go for a good lunch. Like, 
instead right. of looking up on Yelp, oh yeah, I saw that Periscope about that restaurant and they serve all this local, you know, farm to table stuff. Like that's where people want to go with it. Ross, what about, what would you say there? Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I agree a hundred percent with what you say. I think also depending on your business, you can think broader, like what are people going to search for? Like what are people going to do besides go to a basketball game while they're down there? Right. And so, you know, if you can produce content around that, like the places to visit while you're at the final four and Oh, by the way, after you visit this, stop over for a pastry or stop over for dessert or whatever. But you, you're kind of like providing the information that they're searching for and gear it to the final four. So when somebody types in like where, where to go to eat at the final four, you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to have a restaurant. Then, then you can give, you can still give advice and then say, you know, and while you're out and about, use our taxi service. To, in other words, you can provide information that doesn't have to be a direct sell and then drop in how, how your business is sort of tied to it in a way. Because just think of the questions, you know what I mean, that, that, that people are, are going to look to have answered. And, of course, if you have a business that's right by the Final Four, then, you know, go straight for it. I mean, when yeah. you're going to the game, stop by and say hello. And, you know, we're giving out uh, T-shirts to the first 100 people who come in and, you know, order dinner or whatever, whatever it is. Um, you can be more more direct selling that way. But I think through through just producing great content around the event, um, you know, the Final Four is only in Houston once. So it's not like you're competing with with years of content. Um, but perhaps... You know, I'm just trying to think this all through, right? Like, perhaps you should have been producing this content like two months ago, right? So that right. it would index with Google, yada, yada, yada. But that, that, I guess that's how I would see it is, you know, like, how can you be helpful to people? And then, by the way, tie your business in some, you know, like, go, if you're in New York, go to the Empire State Building. And while you're on 33rd Street, stop into our, our coffee shop for, for a snack or something like that. <laughs> Yeah. Does that make sense, Shabal? Oh yeah, I agree a hundred percent. You know, you guys are you guys are speaking my mind exactly like what you guys are talking about. You know, it's you like know, that's... Houston Houston's an interesting oh, city. Where where would you tell people to go yeah, or like what would you recommend for people who are coming to Houston? Well, uh I could I'll say I'll recommend Frank's Pizza, which is uh it's a couple blocks it's like down to like uh on it's on. I'm trying to think of where's the location, but it's it has great food, wings, and another place I'll recommend is uh the Flying Saucer, which is just like across the street. I mean, you know, they got they got great food, and plus they got like about 200 uh, different types of beers there. So, and I and I'm actually in a bar here in uh called Shays, which is the Irish pub. You know, doing this. So this is. And it's adjacent to the Rice Hotel, which well, the Rice Lost, which used to have been a hotel, and it has history backing it too. So that's so I think these are the types of things that the people can be using right now, especially especially that the Final Four is coming up, and especially days before it's coming out, they should they could at least like doing like you know live streaming, you know like 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 different places or taking Snapchat photos of this place and. And then, like, you know, sharing your story while, you know, leading up to the final four. Absolutely. And and any company could just provide that information, regardless of what their biz that you just gave, could provide three great places to go. And then even if all they have is, you know, their logo or something, readers will click the logo to see where they are or what website this was, you know. So there's a lot. I think there's a lot of ways. It's not, a you know, an easy process necessarily to drive a lot of business. But I think that's that's the way to do it. Right. To produce things like what you were talking about and give people real actionable advice that they can use while they're down there. Unfortunately, uh, my favorite team blew a 16 point lead yesterday <laughs> in the second half. And so um uh, a last-minute trip to Houston isn't on the agenda after waiting 32 years. Not that I'm I'm bitter or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> to a number 10 seed. My God, they shouldn't have even gotten a bit to the tournament. Oh God. Anyway, I'll be okay. I'm sure I'll, I'll be fine. So, um, are you you're an NC State fan, Jen? Or I uh, yes. So that means I'm pulling against the Tar Heels. So. <laughs> I, I will be a Syracuse fan for the weekend. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, wow. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> at least at least the ACC wins either way, I guess. Yeah, but. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we just we well, just took a turn there. Oh, yeah. But I will I'll, I'll bring it back around because one thing you no, said, no. Ross, and, and Cheval made me think of it is, you know, yes, like events are a great way for businesses to like just try out like different messaging, do some maybe testing, see what works, see what sticks, see what pe brings people in their doors. But here's the thing that a lot of businesses forget is that they can't just all of a sudden create their Instagram account, create their Periscope account, and then have like this giant following. You know, like none exactly. of this happens overnight. It, it doesn't right. happen for individuals. It doesn't happen for businesses. And so a lot of businesses may see this week where they've attempted to utilize different things. They'll probably see some success from it, but the, the lasting effect won't be there because they never had the audience to begin with. So make sure you have that audience in mind. And that's why it's so great to get on channels and just try things out, see what your audience wants to hear from you, what kind of value you can provide to them. Because as big things like this come up, then you already have the audience built in and you're not scrambling. So um, Mitch says, uh, could run contests, best final four pick, best family mm -hmm. shot. Like, yeah, Great just ideas. so many creative ideas to use. And like you were saying, Jen, the time to get started was earlier so it can index, so you can have it all prepared and all. But the thing is, it's not a one-time use, right? Like, even though this well, event is over, in, in three months, there'll be some big convention coming to Houston. And all year round, people come to Houston to visit family and friends and sightsee and, and, and do a business and whatever. So you can just kind of repackage the same stuff and, and keep using it, right? You can have one, one posting where it's just, you know, it's sort of like an ongoing posting, right? And then another one that you tailor it a little bit to a specific audience and get those, those keywords and things like that in, so... Well, Absolutely. I hope you enjoy the final four. I know it, it won't be the same without Virginia there, but the teams <laughs> that are there can, can enjoy themselves. And I'll, I'll hope the year 33 next year for a final four bid. <laughs> and just, well, just a, just a disclaimer I have North Carolina winning it all. So that's, that's the thing. So well, I, 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 I picked them onto my bracket. That's the thing. I don't know why, but I just, well, I just decided to go with them just because. You know, I did. I did. I mean, no, I, I did grow up watching North Carolina basketball, but I'm a Florida Gator fan. So, oh, well. Oh, Cheval. All right. Well, we'll still be friends. I liked you before I knew that information. <laughs> okay. Thanks right, a lot for calling Cheval. Bye, Cheval. Thanks, guys, for allowing me to be here. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, so uh, I, I tried to hold it in all day, but now it's like... <laughs> opportunity had to yeah, get it out yeah. there i mean right there in the final four god how awesome would that have been to watch you go to the final four i remember a little kid when virginia went to the final four and you know like i got autographs from the players right stuff. and now you think like as an old man i could see it one time before <laughs> at least i saw them win oh, the yeah. acc tournament for the first time two years there you ago. Go. yeah <laughs> there you go so you know they got good players coming in we'll see anyway <laughs> So back to live streaming. Yes. So now when you live stream during the day, is your do you have a lot of freedom at work? Is your company see it as a way that you're promoting the company? Do you sneak into an office? Like <laughs> how do you how are you able to like it's something I'm curious about because mm -hmm. what is the level of acceptance even at a digital agency for people building their personal brand and live streaming in a way that may or may not have a direct result on the company? Like sure. That, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So fortunately for me, uh, we have seen a direct result as far as like networking, connecting with people. I mean, it, it's been unreal how we've been able to connect with the marketing industry in general, um, but also with potential customers, potential clients. Um, uh, so for me, it's it's very accepted where I am. But here's the thing: I think you also have to recognize, and I think it's good to have someone like this really um, in any company, but certainly with us, is that. One of the things that we do is we provide social channel management. So if we're not exploring social channels as a company, as individuals, mm -hmm. then why in the world would anyone want to buy social channel services from us? Because it just makes us look like we don't know what we're doing, even if we really truly do. Um, so while we have... Uh, you know, we have some people in the office who choose not to be, of course, you know, the lawyer side of me tells, you know, everybody like, 
do not force your people to be on social channels mm -hmm. if they don't want to individually be on social channels. That's that's not your place to tell them to do that. Um, but I have been the person to be like, yeah, I'm going to try everything. I'm, I'm going to early adopt this stuff. Let's figure it out. Um, let's see if we have customers we can get on there or at least be educating them because chances are at some point the question comes up like, oh yeah, I've heard about that platform. Can you tell me about that? Can you tell me about advertising on these platforms? Can you tell me like, what does it mean when people are telling me that um, my Instagram pictures aren't going to show up the same way anymore or my tweets aren't showing up the same way anymore? You know, you have to have people who are are living in that social industry in order to make the clients more aware. Because as we've you know discussed earlier, um, clients and potential clients are are all over different platforms and potential customers, I should say, for our clients. So we have to make sure that we understand the value of each channel and how to best use that. And typically the best way to figure that out is to be using it. So I'm, I'm kind of that person that uses it. So, um, you know, one of the things that I certainly don't do is, is abuse this. You know, I, I'm not just jumping on Periscope at any given moment, talking to people instead of working, things like that. I'm also very strategic in how and when I use it. And fortunately for me, I've found that most of my audience interaction um, on Periscope is typically better um, in not so busy work hours. So either right. earlier in the morning or later in the day. Um, and, you know, even with the show.live, uh, you know, our office is incredibly supportive of that. Again, mm -hmm. because not only um, does the office sponsor the show, but also they see it as, hey, we're like, we're part of this pioneering group platforming or um, checking out a new platform and, and making it better for everyone else. So to be able to say that from a company perspective right. is very important to us as well. So when I, people I, ask you about it, well, we're actually doing one of our one of our yeah. people is actually has a show on the platform so we can we can speak from experience. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and, that's a, I mean, one of the things we've we've talked to clients about, you know, like with with Periscope, clients who want to get on Periscope, but they're a little bit nervous the first time they do it. So us going in and because I'm able, like um, so many other people on Periscope do, because I already have that following generated, I can jump on a client's Periscope, share it out with my friends that I think would value from or find value in the Periscope. And boom, like right there, they already have an automatic audience. And again, that's something that very... Uh, is not uncommon in the Periscope community. A lot of Periscopers will do that for each other and, and for other people. So just supporting people that way to utilize the platform is, is how it's going to grow. And and that's another reason um, that I, I've stayed so committed to it. And how, how about Blab? I mean, you see more businesses using Periscope and obviously Snapchat, which isn't exactly live streaming, but the concept is somewhat similar with video. Um, yeah. But w will businesses more be coming to Blab? Do you see Blab growing? Do you see it going mainstream? What What's next for Blab? Absolutely. I mean, I think that we just like you've seen with podcasts, you know, I mean, podcasts ha have evolved over, you know, a, a number of years now. And it's just I, I think I mean, I don't even know if we've hit mainstream with podcasts yet, but uh, people are continually learning about it. And that's how I describe Blab. This is a live podcast where you have the opportunity to listen to the content after it's been recorded, or you have the opportunity to actually interact with people that you wouldn't necessarily be able to interact with. So I think the value there for companies is getting their leaders, their thought leaders in front of people. I know I've paid attention when... Um, like some of my favorite apps, Evernote is one of my favorite apps. So when I see the the guys from Evernote on Blab, I make sure I pay attention because I'm listening to one of my favorite organizations talk about either what they do uh, from a personal perspective or from a company perspective. And so I think we'll continue to see companies follow that trend because now you're not, um, you know, the Blogs are very important for multiple reasons, um, certainly an SEO perspective. Uh, but now you're competing with FaceTime, um, right. where it, if I'm you know, a potential customer and I either have to read your blog to figure out what you're thinking, or I know I can jump on Blab and, and ask you a quick question. Um, we're customers of SEM Rush. My, my company is O3. SEM Rush and Olga, who is um, really the face of the company, she gets on Blab and our SEO is able to interact with her individually, one-on-one -on -one, and ask her questions when we have uh, questions about the application or about SEO in general. And so now for us, like that stands out. We can actually connect with them. So that that's 
going to be the way things go. Companies are going to continue to jump on Blab. Um, I'm excited to see who will continue to adopt it early with the rest of us. Uh, right. But it's only it's not a trend that's going to go away. It's something that we'll continue to see happen. And I'll be very interested to see which companies jump on board sooner rather than later. Are you up against it or do you mind taking another question? Or yeah, two? let's take another okay. question. So Mitch, uh, Mitch asks, what about um, virtual reality trend to follow? Is that a trend to follow? Yes. So I think, and Mitch and I had a great conversation about this today with uh, Malia Probst on our show, the show.live. So if anybody wants to hear, I mean, Malia went into a lot of details. Certainly I learned a lot of things I didn't know, but yeah, I think virtual reality is something that is uh, is going to surprise us. Now, I don't know that I'm going to be an early adopter and, and spend a lot of money on a 360 camera or you know Oculus and anything like that. I, I don't think that will be for me. Uh, but I am really excited to see how companies use that, and I think it is a way as we brainstorm today for companies. Oh, there we go. The I haven't I haven't you tried it yet, but I got it in the mail like several months ago. And oh it's my been gosh, Ross, you need to try it. And it's sitting here on my desk. <laughs> I want to hear what you think. I, I really okay. do. Um, I will try it. So I have tried it. Not, I don't have anything like that, but I um, tried the VR, uh, I guess, goggles uh, at a festival. I was at a festival in Asheville um, about a year ago, and Tom's was set up there, the shoe company Tom's. And of course, as we all know, Tom's is a one for one, they make a shoe or they sell a shoe and they give a shoe to a child in need. And, you know, so many nonprofits will tell you that like, oh, your money is going to, you know, halfway around the world, someone who needs it, whatever. And that's great. You know, most of us are willing to donate to a good cause. But what Tom's did with their VR setup is actually took you to a place where they were handing out shoes. Mm -hmm. So now you saw the families who are receiving you receiving the shoes, you saw the little kids looking up at you or what you thought they were looking up at you. You saw where they lived. You could walk into their homes. Um, you know, it was really amazing to actually experience now what Tom's is talking about because before they just told me about it and it's a great right. idea. We all love a social cause, but now I can see it. And now that is what I think of, uh, you know, when I go to buy Tom's and I, I love Tom's, I'm a big fan of their brand. Um, but it's, uh, that just makes it come to life even more. So I think personally, the the industry that has the most to gain from VR, at least right now, is going to be those social cause companies as well as nonprofits. And um, while you know we could talk about all kinds of barriers that may exist, uh, the immediate um, ROI that I think those two groups will see is going to be amazing because. You know, while Walmart may be able to take me to their warehouse or something like that, like I, I'm sure there's lots of opportunities there for them to, for me to know that where I'm actually buying something and to see it being made or to see a promise go through, whatever the case may be, that's going to have the biggest impact and that's going to continue to earn a consumer's, uh, continue to earn dollars to that organization from consumers, customers, donors, whoever the case might be. So uh, thanks, Mitch. That, that's a great question. Um, one of the last last question I guess I have for you is, is about live streaming. Is from an agency perspective, how how are you? You know, you mentioned you could jump on your Periscope, right, mm -hmm. and and have a built-in audience. Um, agencies and companies now are hiring basically almost like media companies, right? Mm -hmm. They're hiring journalists, they're hiring writers, they're hiring photographers, everything to produce content. Are they eventually going to start hi hiring people just to live stream? Is that going to be something that companies either do in-house or outsource to agencies that specialize in live streaming? Because right now it's, it's all about, you know, authentic, I'm going to jump on and talk about my company and whatever. But eventually companies are going to want to get in the game, right? And they're going to look internally and they're going to say, well, either we don't have the skills internally or we don't have the time for our, you know, to, to get pulled away from what our core, core business is, right? Exactly. You know, I think an agency can be a, a great value from a marketing uh, personnel perspective. So while you may not have the means as a company to go and you know buy a full-time employee to focus on some of these things, that's where an agency can come in. So yes, I do think anything that you would have a marketing person doing, whether it's posting on social, whether it's managing the website, um, whether it's actually live streaming, 
you can utilize an agency for that. And that may be the best value for you. Now, if you are in an organization where, um, you know, maybe there are a few different um, handles being used. Maybe your CEO has a thought leadership handle. Maybe the company has a handle. Maybe there's there's something else going on and that produces a juggling act. Then perhaps, yeah, maybe it would be a good value to actually bring in that person. Because, you know, as, as we've all learned, and, and Ross, certainly you're so great at this, is that not everyone is made for live streaming. You know, it, it takes a very conversational tone. It takes a very um, confident tone to make sure that you're coming across the right way. And, uh, you know, we've all seen people jump on Blab and I'm so glad people are live streaming regardless, but not everyone is going to be a host that a company would want to hire. So um, I, I do think we'll continue to see more, more of uh, what were traditional media personalities move into this realm because they would fit so well here and companies could find um, positions for them, not only where they're live streaming, but also creating content. Uh, you know, there's uh, so many great examples out there where, you know, right now this, this blab is going on and we've had so much great discussion, right. but this can now be turned into tweets. It can be turned into blog posts. It can be turned into, you know, a periscope of, of Ross, you know, coming back in and saying like, here's, here's my three minute recap of what right, we just talked right. about. You know, like, um, I, I think it, it takes a very special mind to do that. So whether you're hiring it in or you're, you're outsourcing it to an agency who can take care of it for you, one, it needs to be taken care of. It, it should be mm -hmm. something that is looked at and valued by companies. Um, but you just have to find the right fit. And, you know, that may, may, fit may evolve over time. Um, but finding that right fit and whatever the best value is for your business is going to be important, but it can happen both ways. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. It's been a, a great hour. And I mean, you, you you have such an interesting background from the legal profession to HR to um, a digital agency and now now a, a live stream host. I mean, and that's that's kind of where where where, you know, our careers are going. Right. Mm -hmm. It's no longer you just specialize in one thing, but you, you change gears, you deal with ambiguity, you deal with complexity and whatever. So um I, it Spoken seems like, like you're, a true HR professional. It sounds like you're having a great time with it, right? Like, because yes. a lot of people are pretending that we still live in the old paradigm, but it sounds like you've not only accepted where we're going, but you're enjoying it. Absolutely. 100% agree. And Ross, thank you so much for what you do. You know, for um, those of you that are joining today and, and you want an example of how to share content and really how to generate it, Ross, you do an amazing job. So it's, thank you for having the show and for having me on. It's quite an honor. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you've been a wonderful guest and uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation uh, over the next several months. Absolutely. Okay. Next week we have Ms. Meliz, Melissa Reyes from Tinseltown tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Monday night uh, uh, next week, right? Uh, that was a smooth closing. So uh, join us next week. And uh, until then, have a great week.